0: Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Chris and Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. Wow, it is weird to talk to a parking lot. I'm just gonna say that out loud. It's not weird to talk to you, it's weird to talk to you here. Uh, But we'll give this a go. Um, Can you hear me all the way out there, people? Yes, excellent. Uh, Can you hear me, people on the playground? Excellent. Uh, Francisco, can they hear me on the live stream? Excellent. Quick side note, la, Um, 20 years ago this morning was the very first time that my wife and I and our one child woke up in Canandaigua as residents of your fair city. Uh, I was much younger then, had a lot more hair, and again, one child. Uh, And then we showed up at this church four days later and pretty much haven't left. Uh, so, so, wow, uh, that makes me feel simultaneously very nostalgic and very old. Uh, you are finding Psalm 130. You've got some time to do that. I'd like to talk, if I can, about the Psalms in general before we dive into Psalm 130 in specific. The Psalms are a weird set of texts to preach, Because the psalms are not narrative, they don't tell a story, and they're not didactic. They're not meant to teach you anything in particular as they go. They are songs. They were songs written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit and sung in worship. Songs, just like today, are emotionable. Songs mess with our emotions. They are vehicles for our emotions. Everybody has that one song, cause songs mess with your limbic system in your brain that attaches experiences to, to lyrics and melodies. Everybody's got that song, that one song that puts you right back in that time and that place with that person, right? Take a moment, uh, share it with the person near you, type it in the chat. What's the song that you have that takes you right back to that person, that place, that time? Tell somebody near you. You realize that every time the preacher says to do that, it's just so he can take a sip of coffee, right? You do realize that? That's, That's a preacher trick. Um, The psalms run the gamut of human emotion. There are psalms written at the highest of heights of Christian experience. There are psalms written at the lowest of lows of despair. There are psalms written that beg God for rescue and deliverance. There are psalms, my favorites, the imprecatory psalms that ask God to bring judgment on, on the enemies of the Lord, right? Like, can you imagine if, if the next big Christian power ballad had the refrain, dash their heads against the rocks, kill them all, kill them all. Like, can you imagine if that's the next big Christian power ballad? thats They're not going to play that on K-Love. They're, they're not. They're just not. Uh, Corey Asbury's not going to do an acoustic cover of that, and then Don Moen is not going to do a cover of that. Like, that's just never going to happen. You're like, I can't believe they let this guy talk. They let this guy talk. But here's here's my takeaway from the Psalms, having read them 1 to 150. Here's my takeaway from the Psalms. This does not have a thus saith the Lord. We can argue about it in a shady spot when church is over. God is way more comfortable with your emotions than you are. The Psalms run the gamut of human emotions. They are songs inspired by God and sung in worship. God is way more comfortable with your emotions than you are. Way more. Um, Two examples. You ever get really sad and you cry? You like ugly cry, like you're snotting all over yourself, ugly cry. Can I say that in church? Am I allowed? When you're in the midst of ugly cry, do you pray in the middle of ugly cry? Or do you wait till you're okay so that you can say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being with me when I was unhinged over there a little bit sorry about that do you because sometimes i do i it could be just me i'll preach to me no problem or on the other end you get the greatest news your special person said they'd marry you you got the big promotion you got the house at a deal the biggest new the kind of when you share it there are exclamation points and hashtags and multiple shares and lots of likes and then you pray dear heavenly father thank you for the blessings that thou hast bestowed upon me i am so grateful for your blessings right because because prayer is careful and measured And it has a certain cadence. And in fact, you know that when I'm done preaching, I'm going to pray. And you already know the cadence. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the, right? That's how prayer goes. Except the Psalms run the gamut of human emotions. And all of them are prayers. So that's my takeaway from the Psalms, having read them through 1 to 150. God is way more comfortable with my emotions than I am. Uh, And it may be true for you, too. Uh, He has made, we always think about the human soul as having a mind and a will and emotions. But we're Westerners, so we focus on the mind. And if we've been in certain conservative churches long enough, then we focus on the will. But there are emotions, and that's the backdrop for Psalm 130. Psalm 130 is a song of ascents, A-S-C-E-N-T-S. It's a song of ascents. And so depending on your history, it was either a song that the Israelites would sing on their way to the temple, or it was a song that the Levites would sing as they made their way up 15 stairs in the temple. Either way, it was a song people would sing on their way to worship. It was a song you sang before you worshipped. And it starts like this. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. The singer is asking God for mercy on the way to worship. Now, sometimes, having raised children, we are preoccupied on the way to worship, right? So help me, if you don't sit still, oh my goodness, six alive, right? And every parent said, no, not my children. All right, that's, that's, that's great. You were all like ready to amen, and then I didn't say amen, so you're not sure if you should amen. It's so fun to mess with you. Uh, you have to imagine, if this is being sung by people on their way to worship, then they've got their animal or animals, and they're traveling in a group. Because you didn't travel alone, because you got mugged if you traveled alone. So you traveled in groups. And you're on your way to the temple singing the song. And what are you singing? Mercy. God, I'm coming. I'm coming for mercy. Be ready for mercy. That's the song, isn't it? That's the way the song starts. It is also noteworthy that the cry is not shallow. Where does the cry come from? From the depths. Um, Sometimes when we pray, it's a shallow prayer, and sometimes when we pray, it comes from way down. Spurgeon said it this way, deep places beget deep devotion. Depths of earnestness are stirred by depths of tribulation. One more time. Deep places beget deep devotion. Depths of earnestness are stirred by depths of tribulation. What was your cry when you were on your way to worship this morning? When you were driving up in the car, when you were walking through the living room to the live stream, what was your cry this morning? Uh, It's the sort of thing where if somebody's manning the the live stream and there's somebody who can read chats, if there's somebody who needs prayer in the chat, throw it up there. Because you may have had a cry on your way to worship this morning, and you sent it ahead. God, I'm coming! I need mercy! It's an okay cry to cry. Verse 3. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Hey, by the way, oh, let's go game show here. What's the answer to the question in verse 3? If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? What's the answer? Yes, uh, yes, for all the people at home, it rhymes with schmobody. It rhymes with schmobody, or also with schmofun, depending on how you chose to answer, right? Uh, The answer to the question is nobody. That is the clear implication of the question. It is the clear teaching of the scripture that if God kept a record of sins, who could stand? Nobody. Do you know he does keep a record? Are you aware that he does keep a record? He's got a book. And it's got all the stuff in it. You're like, no. God is love. And love forgets. Oh, no. Oh, he's got a book. You can read about it in Revelation 20. He's got a book. And it should not surprise you that he has a book. For the following reason. When you take a look at what's going on around you in the world, and you say, that's not right, things should be different, and you cry out for justice, you're made in his image. He looks around and says, that's not right, it should be different, and he brings justice. So if you keep a list, of all the things you see around you that are not right. If you've got a book, it should not surprise you at all that he's got one. And his is quite comprehensive, I'll say. In in Revelation 20, so I have to do the setup on Revelation 20. By the time we get to Revelation 20, the apocalypse is over. Uh, all of the people who have ever lived who loved Jesus during their lives have already been resurrected from the dead and saved and set aside and, and they are at this time ruling and reigning with Jesus. And I have to be careful that I say that so that the folks who are down the road who can hear me don't just hear in isolation, the apocalypse is over. We put that in context. At the time of Revelation 20, the apocalypse will have been over. Otherwise, we're going to get phone calls, and and I'm not answering the phone. Uh, That's just me. So when we get to Revelation 20 and the great white throne judgment, all of the people who have ever lived, who have ever believed in Jesus during their lives have already been saved, have already been resurrected, have already been set aside. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The gospel of Jesus is only good news if it contrasts with bad news. The only reason the gospel of Jesus is good news is because without it, there is bad news. Romans 3, as it is written, there is no, right- there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, if we were all to be honest with ourselves and think about our lives for 30 seconds, If you knew that at 11.45, you were going to stand before God and answer for all of the things you have done in your life, is there anybody who's like, I think you'll notice in my portfolio things are looking pretty good. Because it's not me. And Romans 6.23 says plainly, The wages of sin is death. When a person is thrown into the lake of fire, that person will have earned it. That's the wages of sin. That's the natural outflow, the thing you earn when you sin. And the singer in Psalm 130 knows that. The singer knows that without the sacrifice that he is bringing to the temple, there is no forgiveness of sins. The singer knows what the scripture teaches, that to forgive sins requires the shedding of blood. That's why the singer and all the people with him has the animal so that the animal can be brought to the temple so that the priest can say, yes, this is a good sacrifice. And so so the priest puts the sacrifice on the altar and the person bringing the sacrifice puts their hand on the animal while it is slaughtered and forgiveness comes. That's why they're singing the song. That's why they're going to the temple. But the singer knows that forgiveness is available. That's why he's going to the temple. And that's one of the places where the gospel shows its power. The rest of Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, as a quick, by the way, how come none of you brought sheep and goats? Yes, that's right. We're in church, and so the answer is either Jesus, the Bible, or Satan. And these people have chosen, uh, in a huge majority, Jesus. Is it Jesus? Yeah. Yes, it actually happens to be Jesus, falsetto boy. Thank you so much. Why? Why? Because the sacrificial system was always meant to come up short. It was always meant to fail. You were always good until the next time. You always had forgiveness until the next time. And then what did you have to do? You had to bring another animal. That's right, falsetto boy. You had to bring another animal. And then another, and then another, and then another, and then another. And you were always okay until you weren't anymore. Jesus came and gave himself once and for all so that no one needs to go to the temple anymore. No one needs to offer animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. Yeah, yeah, you keep on. You're okay to honk. I can talk over honking. No problem. Jesus himself, the perfect lamb of God, came to earth to do what the animals could never do in an everlasting way. Jesus came to do that. The perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And all we have to do is receive that gift. That's it. Romans chapter 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Four verses later, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus explained it this way to Nicodemus, who was a prominent priest in Israel in the first century. The conversation is recorded in John chapter 3 and in one of the later episodes of season one of The Chosen. Oh, yes, yes. Very good. Oh, gosh, I love it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That's how Jesus said it. Um, one of the main complaints that I have had about the, uh, one of the main complaints that have been brought to me about the gospel over the years is that it's exclusive. So you're saying that Jesus came to the earth so that, that if, so he could bring his message, and his message is basically, believe in me or you're toast. Like, that's the, that's the gospel message. That's the good news. But that's not what he did. He came to earth to say, you are already toast. And you don't have to be. And here's how you don't have to be. And I myself will be the way that you don't have to be. Jesus did not come to the earth so that like you could read self-help books for yourself. He came to the earth to take care of the fact that you were in every conceivable way. Toast. But the message he brought was you don't have to be and Every single person, every single person who believes in what I do gets everlasting life. That is far from exclusive. That is the most inclusive thing. But without that, we are at war with God. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. How can we be at peace with God now unless in the past we were not? Without Jesus' sacrifice applied to our lives, we are at war with God. Hey, folks. If you end up in war with God, who wins that? Like, I'm not arm wrestling John Cleary, and I'm not going to war with God. Two big truths. I'm not going to war with God. So how do we get this peace? Peace. How do we get this peace? If if I'm at war with God, how do I settle that? How do I get peace? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's a confession that we are going to follow him. We don't confess Jesus as our savior, we don't confess Jesus as our as our best friend, we don't confess Jesus as our helper. We confess that Jesus is Lord, and Lord implies that he gets to tell us what to do, right? Um, We open ourselves up to allow Jesus to guide our steps and to dictate our morality. And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead why well what does it matter that god raised him from the dead well why did jesus go to the cross okay to to save the world to to pay the penalty for our sins so what does the resurrection do it proves that that's what happened it it's the okay so i'll i'll appeal to older people it's the canceled check uh, what's the young people version on that? It's, it's the, the thing on your debit card statement? It's the, it's the Venmo notification? It's the, it, it, is Venmo too old now? Gosh! Don't get old, folks. Just don't get old. It's embarrassing for everyone around you. We believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Why? Because if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we believe that our sins can be forgiven. And we go to God and we ask for forgiveness knowing because of what he did that it's ours. That it's ours. So when God makes our hearts alive, To Jesus, when God wakes us up to those realities, we thank him for forgiveness. We know that it's ours. Um, At the end of Acts 2, after Peter preached the gospel for the very first time, he just ran out into the street, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit and in genuine naivete, and he just lays out why the the Jews were wrong to to crucify Jesus and why, why they needed to believe. And a group of people asked, so, so what do we do now? And Peter's answer to them at the end of Acts 2, if you remember, was repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. It's the same idea. Why do we repent? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. And if we want that forgiveness of sins, we have to turn away from a sinful life, and turn toward what God wants for us. And then be baptized. Why? Because the, tw- the, the first century church knows nothing about keeping your faith to yourself. First century church knew nothing about that. There was a public declaration of faith. Baptism and it it just sort of went together. They sort of found the nearest body of water, and you stood at the edge of the water, and you said, I believe in Jesus, and then they put you under for just long enough and then brought you back up. Uh, So so water slide baptismal next Sunday, I'm game. I'm game. Um, I don't even care if there's a tank at the end. I just don't. We'll just submerge them somehow. It'll be great. By the way, if God awakens you to the reality of Jesus, and he's never done that before, and you say today, well, well, I kind of want to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and I kind of want to confess that Jesus is Lord, would you please follow up with somebody here? Follow up with anybody that's had a mic or been at a mic or any of the greeters or any of the people running kids' church? Follow up with somebody. Like I'm not gonna like it is so simple. We confess with our mouths, we believe in our hearts, we are saved, done, finished. That's it. That's the whole thing. It's the whole kitten caboodle, it's the whole shooting match. So if you do that today in your car, follow up with somebody. Why? Ha <laughs> ha because God gives you a starter pack when you start following him, right? Like, God gives you a starter pack. He puts inside of you the Holy Spirit. God himself lives inside of you. So if you're like, well, I I don't know if I can figure out the whole Jesus thing in one day. Like, I just... I drove into the parking lot thinking it was something else. And and I got to do all a what? Oh, no, 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 no. If God loves you enough to make you alive to the things, to the truths about Jesus, then God absolutely loves you enough to put himself inside of you, to teach you how to live, to make his word come alive to you, To teach you every day how to give yourself more to him. Right? You get a starter pack. That's the best thing. And it's not even like, and here are three pamphlets that you get. No, it's a person who talks to you. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So here's the rest of the psalm. The rest of the psalm takes an interesting turn. The rest of the psalm stresses the urgency of seeking God. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Verse 7 is still true, by the way. With the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. And that's what prompts the urgency in verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. So the, the watchman just kind of looked. Is, is that morning? Is that? Is that? Is that morning? Is, Jim, is that morning? Biff? Biff, is that morning? There's an intensity about how they waited for the Lord. There's an intensity about how they watched. Do you still have it? Friends of mine who have been walking with Jesus for a long, long time, do you still have it? Are you still, are you still waiting for the Lord with that kind of intensity? Um, I would dare say... That in the era of coronavirus, our intensity level should probably go up a couple of notches. Right? Not not that we're like, is that the apocalypse? Is that the apocalypse? Different thing. Different thing. We are also supposed to be watching for that, but I'll preach Matthew 24, 25 some other time. Uh, That is not the point of this message. God, I need you to act in my life. I need, need, need you to act in this way. I need you to impact my sphere of influence. I need you to act in my family. I need you to act where I work. I need you to act in my city. Wouldn't be a bad thing if we ratcheted up the intensity level just a little bit because the time depends on it. God is worthy of our trust. We should not hesitate to lean into him no matter what circumstances come our way. Spurgeon says it this way, waiting, we study the word, believe the word, Hope in the word and live on the word, and all because it is his word, the word of him who never speaks in vain. Jehovah's word is a firm ground for a waiting soul to rest upon. Jehovah's word is a firm ground for a waiting soul to rest upon. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for two kinds of people. I'm going to pray for those people who are saying, that thing you were saying about Jesus that I've never believed before, I want to believe now. And I want to pray for those of us who would say, just where you are, and no need to to be forward about it, I could use a little more intensity. Now, you may decide that you've got to stand for that. You may decide that you've got to up your, your physical intensity for that, uh, But there may be some of us who are saying, I could use a little I, I've lost my urgency. I've lost the reality that Jesus is plan A and everything else is plan F. I've lost that sense of urgency. Father, we thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you that your sacrifice brings life to us, that your sacrifice took care of our sin problem once and for all. God, I'm praying for anyone in the sound of my voice who wants to give themselves to you for the very first time who wants to decide today that I'm not going to be on the outskirts anymore. I'm coming all the way in. God, I pray that you would show those people by making their hearts alive by bringing wisdom and revelation to their minds, to their hearts, to their spirits about the truth of who you are and how you love and the depths you went to to show it. And then God, I'm asking you to give them courage to say, Jesus is Lord. I follow him. I follow him. I don't know what that means in total yet. It's okay. Nobody does when they pray that prayer. I don't know what it means to say Jesus is Lord, but I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow the best way I know how, the best way God will show me. And then, God, I want to pray for my friends who have lost a little bit of their edge. I want to pray for my friends who who have just dropped a, it's just we're tired and we drifted a little bit and things got really crazy and the world shut down and we didn't know what to do and we did the best that we could we managed the best we knew how but maybe we drifted a little bit God I'm praying that you would blow on those embers that you would breathe life back in and that you would excite our hearts to go after you to follow you with joy thank you God thank you that you are always always growing us from glory to glory into the image of the likeness of your son you have never given up and you don't plan on it let your truth go deep within us in jesus name amen and amen we hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with god today again this podcast is a resource of zion fellowship a spirit-led and life-giving local church in canada new york If you'd like to learn more about us find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on facebook and instagram also feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450 blessings to you as you continue in your day